Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live, bringing you our patron Q&A session here on the Falcoholic Live. It's been a little over a month because I think we did it in early December. Uh, so definitely time and we wanted to make sure to get you guys one of these before the Senior Bowl because I'm not going to be able to do it at the Senior Bowl. It'll be way too busy. Uh, I know you guys love to see the man himself, Dave Cho. Uh, the moose have still not reached his home, so I, they're they're working to restore power. Uh, I, I hope everything's going well with Dave. He says he's okay, but uh, still doesn't have power a full 24 hours later. So we're going to go ahead. The show must go on. Uh, and I have found, uh, we won't call him a substitute because he's, he's a starter. Uh, Eric Robinson joining us at <laughs> underscore Eric underscore Robinson. I didn't want to bug him because he just came on last week, but you know we know Eric. We can always depend on him to come in and deliver the hot takes. So how are you doing tonight, Eric? I'm, I'm good, man. Consider me consider me the six man. Yeah, I, that 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 fits a little bit better. I'm okay. I'm the six man. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be yeah. I, mean, I didn't want to disrespect you with the backup label. You know, I, I didn't want to put that out there. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, guys. Well, I know we have. A ton of questions from Patreon. We have quite a few from the Discord. I know a lot of you guys work. I know a lot of you guys are international and also uh, that we had to reschedule. So I apologize for that, but uh, we will definitely get to those questions. Welcome to George Costanza as well. Finally gets to actually be here for a show. So uh, welcome, George. Um, Yeah, we're going to get to a lot of good stuff tonight. Uh, As promised, I will give you guys... The update on the state of the podcast first uh, for those the, uh, the patrons. I already sort of uh, let people know, but uh, Vox Media, the parent company of SB Nation, will be cutting pretty much all the NFL podcasts starting March 1st. So what that means is unclear still to me, uh, to most of us. Um, it's unclear if we'll have to start a new podcast from scratch or if we can still maintain control of the podcast feed and just I'll just take it over uh, and do it myself without SB Nation support. But long story short, we're going to figure out all the all the details uh, and communicate those to, to you guys when we know. But the takeaway message is uh, the podcast isn't going anywhere, uh, you know. We'll secure our own advertisers. We'll figure it out. Uh, we're going to keep bringing you the podcast because I know you guys love it, and we really appreciate everyone for listening. Um, and we will we'll figure it out, and uh, we will let you know what the plan is as soon as we do. Um, ideally, we'll everything will stay on the same podcast feed, so you don't have to like go find the the new feed and add it to your libraries and all this stuff. Uh, but if we have to do that, I'll let you know when we'll start. You know, uh, moving stuff over to that feed. 
in advance um, so everyone knows where to get the new episodes uh, so there's no confusion there. Uh, but I'll just keep you guys posted. And, uh, you know, you, you guys are supporting the show through Patreon. And I know a lot of, like, a ton of you have donated to the Senior Bowl Fund. Um, you know, at this point, you guys don't need to, like, just start, you know, throwing money at us or anything. We'll, we'll see if we can secure our own funding. But I do... Uh, really appreciate everyone on the Patreon um, uh, for supporting it. And that's really going to help us during the transition. So thank you guys so much for your continued support. And uh, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us all these years, uh, especially you, George. You know, <laughs> he was George was like the OG. George was here when Eric was, you know, still the co-host. So. <laughs> yeah. George has been down from day one, man. Yeah. OG. So. We'll keep you guys posted. Um, not anything to, to panic or worry about at this point, but uh, just stay tuned for updates on that front as we keep rolling into the offseason. But again, it's not until March 1st that anything will officially change. So uh, we got a f- couple months to figure it out. So, well, a little over one month, I guess, technically. But, you know, who's counting? Um, all right. Now for the football takes. Thank you for your patience, everyone. Uh, we got a ton of stuff. I know John Storr left his in the chat here so we'll start with this one eric uh from john store he says uh any update on the progress that kyle pitts is making um and i don't think there's been anything publicly said about kyle pitts um i i do believe the falcons were in the playoffs there's a chance he could have returned i think with them pretty much eliminated they weren't really pushing it um but that that's sort of my take on it i don't think Kyle Pitts will have any limitations this offseason. Um, I assume he'll be a full participant in OTAs and everything like that. It wasn't a super long-term injury, just not quite uh, the timeline for him to come back, especially with the Falcons not really competing for the playoffs. So, Yeah, yeah I don't I don't really expect to hear any kind of updates um, during the offseason when it comes to Pitts, unless it's you know, is drastically close to mini camp or training camp and you, there's no sign of him or anything like that. But right now I think it's just more, you know, out of sight, out of mind type thing. You know, you just kind of sort of expecting him to heal properly and cause he has all off season to heal. So I, I don't expect to hear much. Yeah. And this, this staff is pretty tight lipped with injuries, particularly in the off season. So I, I, no news isn't bad news with him, um, and the nature of the injury isn't such that it should really be anything we're concerned about going into 2023. So, yeah. um, it was no what, injury like is great, three to four. but yeah, it was like a four, well, was, three to four weeks, I think it was, or something like that, oh minimum. My. Yeah, yeah, he had a, you know, he had um, he had surgery literally what the week after or something like yeah. that, or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, time days later so i mean yeah it's it should heal properly yeah it's it's not uh a long-term concern it's not like a season-ending type of injury if he'd had it in week one he would have been back probably week seven or eight at the latest so um you know i wouldn't worry too much about pits at this point um john also asked any update on dw can we get him back on for a show on life with the colts maybe maybe this offseason we can i know dw is doing stuff over for stampede blue uh i imagine he's also been impacted by the podcast you know cuts uh so maybe you know we'll, we'll get our new podcast together here in a little bit but uh yeah we still talk to dw uh frequently um i don't think he was super enthused with the life with the colts this this season <laughs> this is a bad year to move to the colts unfortunately um yeah but, uh, yeah. yeah unfortunately for all of us um 
but yeah, I, DW is, is, as far as I know, is doing good uh, over there with, with Stampede Blue. So, um, All right. Let's see. We got George Costanza, who left his question in the Discord. Um, so George says his, his opinion still is that the Falcons need to make sure that they have the quarterback of the future. And, you know, what, would we, what do we think? I guess the, the first part is, you know, could it be C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? is a potential trade-up for one of those guys on the table uh, for Atlanta. I think he mentioned uh, first third, th- first and third this year and a first and fifth next year to move up, I presume, to like three with the Cardinals to get whichever one of those doesn't go, uh, you know, or something like that. I mean, you might even have to get up to one to get the one you want, and you're, it's probably going to take more than that. I don't know. That, that might be enough to get to one, you know, depending on what the other offers are, considering the Falcons have eight. But... What do you think about needing to, to make a move for one of the top quarterbacks in the draft? I'm I'm not holding my breath on it. Um I think this I think the staff is is fairly confident in Ritter. I think they like what they saw over the course of four games, not necessarily to say that they're gonna hand him the keys to the, you know, to the to the car next year. Um I'm not saying he's going to walk in as the starter in 2023, but I think because of his play, because of his improvement over the course of the four games, I think it kind of sort of, you know, lessen the likelihood of them going after a Stroud or Bryce Young. I think if it was a situation where you saw some type of play, where you, you saw some below average play from him, then yeah, it would be in the conversation. But I, I, I think he's done enough to put his name in the running for as a starter next year. And I think if they were to trade up and go after Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, that would speak volumes as far as how they feel about him and where they think he is in his development and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I, 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 I think that's that those chances are pretty slim to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I don't think, where you're coming from, George, and that feeling like you need a a real like top flight quarterback to be one of the biggest contenders in the NFL. That's not wrong. Like I, I think we've seen that the the teams that are consistently in the mix tend to be the ones with elite quarterbacks. Um, that's not the only way you can do it. You know, the 49ers have shown one path. Now they're not really one that I would try to replicate because Kyle Shanahan and he's sort of singular in what he can turn basically any quarterback into a quality into at least a serviceable starter. I mean, look at Nick Mullins, you know, like he made Nick Mullins look good. Um, so, you know, you don't try to be the 49ers. It's not something, it's just like trying to be the Patriots back in their heyday. Like don't try to do what they're doing. Nobody else can do what they're doing. It's sort of their thing. Um, but I think, and we talked about this probably on the last show with regards to Lamar Jackson. And it's sort of a similar idea is that, I, I think you make that aggressive move for a quarterback when you're like a, when you're closer to being a contender. Like when you're a quarterback away from being competitive, I think that's when you try to really get aggressive for a quarterback. Um, you know, you look at the Browns with Deshaun Watson. I I don't like the you know move for Watson. I don't like you know everything that went on with that. But if you look at it purely from a football perspective, um, 
the Browns were in a better position to make that move because, you know, theoretically the defense had a lot of key contributors on it and the offense had pieces. Now the defense definitely took a step back this year, but in terms of talent on the roster, that, that team was, I think, closer to being ready for a quarterback. So, um, I think that the Falcons would be better off just getting a, a veteran guy to back up Ritter or potentially compete like someone that's, that's not a pushover, but like, a Taylor Heineke, for example, would be a great option. Someone that we know is like a NFL, you know, twenty-ish sort of level quarterback, like the twentieth best quarterback, fringe, fringe starter. Not going to be overly yeah. expensive. Someone that can push Ritter um, and provide a, a good backup in case things go wrong. But it's not going to be someone that you're going to have to invest a lot of cap or trade assets to get. I think that's the best. Um, I think it. That's the best way and then if you get through 2023 you've added these pieces the roster is better but quarterback is holding you back then you go into 2024 you know what you have in Ritter and and you know worst case scenario I think Ritter is probably your long-term backup so that's not the worst thing in the world either but you know you either know that Ritter has the potential to be your guy or not after if you give him this year to start or he gets beat by Taylor Heineke or whatever then you know you have your answer right now you don't have your answer and I think he's shown yeah. enough, like Eric mentioned, that he deserves the chance. Um, and I think also you'll be in a better place in terms of your roster and your overall situation, hopefully coming off a winning season, um, to make a trade like that for a top quarterback, where now you're adding that as like the cherry on top of the roster and not making that the beginning of the rebuild. Um, and, I, you know... I we criticized the Falcons for passing on fields and, and going the route of taking the quarterback at the beginning of the rebuild. They sort of seem to be like, we're going to get the quarterback at the end and we'll see if it mm-hmm. works out. But I think it's, I think they should stick to their original plan and, and, and go that route. See, you know, see what the competition of Ritter and a Heineke or a Brissett or whoever can bring and then go for the quarterback next year. If it's clear that Ritter or the guy you signed are not going to be it. Uh, for you that they're not good yeah. enough to get it done so right. that's right yeah it's, yeah it's i i, I think they it, it's one of those situations where you know i i do think that you know when the lamar when it comes to the lamar situation you know i do think that if they're if the door is slightly open i think they they may be intrigued by that they may entertain it a little bit and see see what they can get out of that um but i don't i I don't think that they're looking at any, they're looking at Ritter in a situation where he's not ready. I do think they feel he's ready. I do think they feel they have, you know, enough confidence in him right now. Um, And it's not a situation where, um, you know, you're looking like a lot of people are, are really viewing this situation as if they're, 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 the main priority this offseason for the Falcons is to find a quarterback of the future. And I, I feel like that's being misread. I really do. I feel like um, you, you're just looking at a situation where you got a kid who started four games and that's it. And then you're going into 2023 without a true starter. But I don't think people are really taking into account how they truly feel about Ritter. And I, I really do think that they, they feel highly enough of Ritter right now where they don't have to chase, a, a, you know, a Bryce Young or anything like that. Yeah, I think the most likely scenario is a mid-level veteran signing like a Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. I think the second most likely thing well, is they trade for Lamar, and I think the third most likely thing is a trade-up 
for one of these rookie quarterbacks. So, well, maybe I would I would say that third option may actually be and and you know we talked about it today. Well, not we didn't we didn't talk about it today, but we've seen it come up on you know on Twitter a, a little bit recently. The likelihood or the option of Trey Lance being available, right, right. in San Francisco. Um, yeah. And and I think when it comes to that situation, I think it's kind of sort of similar to Lamar. I think if it is a situation where it's made known by the 49ers that Trey Lance is possibly available, I honestly believe they pick up the phone and call. Now, whether, again, whether they will like the package that the 49ers will want, that's a different story. But I think they will, at the very least, they may have a conversation like, hey, what, you know, Lance is available. What do you want for him? Right. You know, and, and, I know people want to sit here and say that, yeah, they're going to, they're going to ask for two ones or whatever, but <laughs> I think some people have to be a little realistic here. Like that's, I know, I don't think anybody's going to bite on that. And I think the 49ers know that no one is probably going to bite on that two ones for a guy that's started how many games? Two. Right. Not very many. <laughs> Three. Yeah. Um, so. And Lance is such an interesting topic. And I know we did have a question from Patreon about Lance. Um, so we'll, we'll, that's, this is a good time to segue into that. Um, we know they liked Lance that, that was the guy apparently that they were the most in on. And, you know, I've sort of dismissed the possibility of them getting Lance. Um, because I, I think that the compensation that San Francisco would need to move off him would be too high. Um, now there mm-hmm. was a report that San Francisco might consider just taking a third for him, which would be a really bad sign about Lance, first of all. But, uh, <laughs> like, they gave up, what, two firsts, three firsts to get Lance? Um, so... I believe they gave up two. Might have been two and some other change. Um, but they gave up a lot of first-round picks. Um, for and... Generally, when teams give up that kind of compensation, they're they're looking to get some of that back if they move off a player early. But what Eric brought up is absolutely true. Like, Lance has barely played, and now he's coming off a serious injury. So if they're not going to realistically give him the chance to win the job, and I still think that's probably the most likely thing to happen with Lance, is that the 49ers, you know, let, let Garoppolo go, and then they let Lance and Purdy battle it out. Um... And, you know, maybe Lance can can get in in some relief, like because if this team is as good as you think and Purdy's leading them to a Super Bowl next year, there might be some mop up duty that Lance Lance can come in and look good. And maybe you have a better shot at getting better picks for him next year. But if the 49ers just want him out of the building for a third round pick, I think that's a conversation we need to have, because I think that that's a that's a worthy compensation for a potentially high upside quarterback. Um, you know, that would be really reasonable. So that's, that's why I think it's going to be more than that, because I feel like if the price was just a third teams would be lining up to get Trey Lance. So they, Maybe so they a gave second. away, yeah. they, they gave away what well, a swap picks that year, of course. Yeah. So that's um, one first. And then they, yeah. sent, they sent a third uh, that year. This, this is what? 20, this is 2021. Yeah. Yeah. 2021. So they, so they swapped picks in 2021, sent a 2021 third, and first in 22 and 23. So three firsts. So yeah. a third and two. Well, three firsts, including in, yeah, the third, original picks. Yeah. Including the, the original swap. Yes. Yeah. 
So whether whether or not they're going to try to, you know, cop that those two firsts back, I again, it's easy for people to slap that tag on and say that's what that's what they're going to want. I'm sure of it. That's what they're going to ask for. Again, teams can ask for stuff like that, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get it. Yeah. And in a situation like this, I think the Niners, I think Lynch, John Lynch, they're smart enough to know this kid is start less than a handful of games. We're probably not going to get two firsts for him. Let's just be yeah. honest about it. I don't think they're getting so, a single like, first for him. Yeah, I think I think they would want I, a first. I, I, I don't think they're getting it, so. Yeah, right. Teams can want two first. Teams yeah. can want multiple first, but that doesn't mean they're going to get it. I think this might be a situation where they may get a a second and a fourth, maybe right. if that, or they may get a third and a future a, a third this year and a future third, maybe. Mm-hmm. But two first is if if you're if you're taking that to the bank like that's what the Niners are going to ask for, then yeah, I I don't know what to tell you. That's probably not going to happen. And I'm pretty sure they know of that. So yeah. Yeah, and that's that's why I think it wouldn't happen because I think they want a first and they feel like if we if they don't get at least a first back for him, they're they're getting really bad return on investment. So that's why I think he might not get moved because no one's sending a first for him right now. So what about what about Fields? I mean, I I think Fields is worthy of a first, a single first. Um What what about do you think he becomes available? I don't think so. I think that would be really stupid. Buy, but it is I the Bears, understand. so yeah. But so you don't buy into that at all that the Bears no, are potentially dropping him this offseason. I don't think so. But I've been wrong about things. Like I was wrong about who who was I wrong about? I was really wrong about some quarterback going number one. And I was like, there's no way that's gonna happen. Uh and then it did happen. So like it's not like I'm batting a thousand or anything, but I I don't think Fields get moved gets moved. But there are a lot of really dumb front offices in the NFL. We've seen this time and time again. So like I'm working out of, you know, this is like a fantasy term, you know, assumption of rat- rational coaching, assumptional, assumption of rational GMing. Um, so maybe we shouldn't assume that, but working from that assumption, it would be really foolish to move Justin Fields at this point. Yeah, I think it would be a little foolish. But when it comes to the Niners, I think I think they're, even if Purdy, you know, makes a Super Bowl run, I still think going into 2023, they're keeping Lance. And I think they're just going to let those two battle it out in training camp. I, I think they they want to get something out of that, you know, out of that situation with Lance. I don't think they've read they're ready to just all right, let's punt on it now. Let's 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 get rid of it now because of, you know, a magical run by Brock Purdy. So Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's and like Brock Purdy has played well, like um, you know, so I I, I don't want to denigrate him in any way, but I think right. it might be smart for them to still hold on to Lance just in case. Um just in case like something goes wrong there. And like Lance is still a top pick, you know, so, so who knows what he would have turned into if he played the whole season. Maybe we'd be singing his praises right now. So I think they learned, I think they learned that lesson this past year or or earlier this year where, you know, they were riding with Lance. They wanted to move from Garoppolo, but they couldn't. They said, okay, you know what? We'll, we'll swallow this pill for a year and look what happened. You know, having Garoppolo in your back pocket was a blessing in disguise. Yep. So I, they may learn from that and say, "Hey, you know what? We see what Brock did, but let's just hold on to Lance for now. Let's just yeah. see what happens." Yeah, I think because I think to move him, they'd need that that first 
to really get a good return on investment. And I, I don't think they're going to get it at this point. So I think the best yeah. scenario for them might just be to hold on to him for another year. Um, so yep. we'll see. We'll see. Yep. Uh, we'll take a quick break here to shout out George Costanza's $100 donation. George, thank you so much, buddy. Ooh. We really appreciate that, man. He says, sharing the wealth from my buddy, paying up the bet I made on the Eagles. Gotta love betting with Cowboys fans. <laughs> Won 200 bucks and a $100 steak dinner. So here's my part to the Senior Bowl Fund. Oh, also my early 2023 prediction. Ridley lights it up. Jacksonville wins the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm feeling like this, like I was feeling about Philadelphia this year. Yeah, you weren't here, Eric, but George was trying to put a huge bet on Philly to win the Super Bowl in the preseason, but he couldn't because he lives in Texas. Uh, but he was gonna, you know, you know, give us the windfall from that bet, and that bet looks really like it would have pay- potentially paid out. Uh, so <laughs> I know he's mad about that. <laughs> so Jacksonville. But now he's he likes Jacksonville next year. I mean. If you're if you're trying to get good odds on the Super Bowl, like to get serious money, I mean that's a good one to pick, I think, next year. But um Are, are we sure Ridley's gonna ball out? I'm not sure of anything with Calvin Ridley. I just need him to play well enough to get a contract. Right. That's all I care about. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure much of anything right now when it comes to him, man. Like yeah. everybody's looking at it like, oh, and they get Ridley next year, they're gonna be uh, we'll I want see him what to Ridley do good. Shows. Yeah. I want him to do good too, but I I've seen enough to know I don't know what really is going to show up to the stadium. We'll see what really shows up. We'll see. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I I do think he'll play well enough to probably get an extension there. But I know that the wording of the trade said long term deal, but my guess is the actual. That was what was reported. My guess is if Ridley signs a new deal with Jacksonville, period, if it's a one-year contract, doesn't matter, then they get the second. Like Because otherwise, Jacksonville would probably game it. It would be way too easy to game. Um, yeah. So I I, I think it's if he signs a new deal with Jacksonville, period, the Falcons will probably get that second. We haven't seen the, the writing of the trade, but that's my guess. Um, oh, they, put, they definitely put some, some stipulations yeah. on this thing. Uh, yeah, because sure. it was like, oh, if he gets a long-term deal. But I think all that means is that he just signs another deal with Jacksonville, whether it's one yeah. year or whatever. So um, so that way, Jacksonville can't get out of it by just giving him a one-year deal. That would be way too easy to get out of. So, um, yeah. but And it's only the difference between a third and a second at that point, too, for next year. So, like, yeah, it's not like people are like, oh, well, Jacksonville won't sign him to get out of paying the pick. And it's like, well it's still going to be a third as long as he plays a certain amount of time. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're not giving up a, just a second. They're just giving up the difference between the second and third round pick. That's all. So yeah. um, if he has a, if he has a quality year next year, they're getting something. The Falcons are getting something in return. Yeah. So at, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking at the very least, they're probably going to get a third next year. If he yeah, goes I think in it will play. be the third. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, as long as he doesn't get hurt or something, um, which we certainly don't hope for anything like that, but um, no, no, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I do think that the Falcons are going to get that third at least. And we'll see if he plays well enough for the extension, but that that's, they're going to throw the ball a lot in Jacksonville and he's going to be a key part of it. So I think, I think this was a trade where both sides were trying to actually help each other out. The Falcons were like, we, we don't want to, we can't keep them for, for reasons, but we also don't want to saddle you Jacksonville with this like albatross of a trade where you feel like you're on the hook if things go south with Ridley and he doesn't get reinstated. So here's all the stipulations. We're going to make it really stipulated, but basically if he plays as well as you think, then we get more compensation. And if he doesn't play well, then you you have to give us less. 
And I think that makes a lot of sense for both sides. I think that it's a really, I think more trades should be like this, where it sort of like covers everyone's bases, where it's like, if he plays like the team that's trading for him hopes, then the team that traded him gets more picks. That makes sense. And if he flames out or gets hurt or whatever, then the team is on the hook for less. You, and, you know. Well, I think you, you had to. I think yeah. if you're Jacksonville, you would, at the very least, you don't know what you're getting. You're trading for Ridley. You're, mm-hmm. you're hoping that you're getting, you know, 20, 2018, 20, you know, rookie year Ridley. You're hoping you're getting that guy, but you're not sure. So you want to, you want to, um, you know, and, and, and when it comes to the Falcons, you know, you're, you're wanting to get rid of Ridley, which I felt like all along that was going to happen. I, I know there were some fans that were like, oh no, Ridley's back in 2023. And no, don't, don't, don't bet your house on it, please. Cause yeah. you're going to lose your house. Um, but I, I think they're looking at it like, well, yeah, we don't even know what type of Ridley we're sending away either. So you may get a motivated Ridley that balls out. Hey, that happens. Cool. Great. Third round pick. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's a win-win and I, I think it's, Hopefully he'll ball, he'll ball out in Jacksonville and the Falcons, he gets a new deal there and the Falcons end up getting that second. But um, that would be nice. That'd be real nice. So, uh, and and then the Jet, you have to think the Jaguars would be happy because they probably found, you know, their new top receiver. So, um, <laughs> or at least wide receiver too. Maybe that's what he's better I mean, as. Part but. of me feels like the regime here is like they, they're trying to prove a point. <laughs> Maybe. Not necessarily. But. Not necessarily hoping he balls out, but just kind of sort of looking at it like, see, we we knew all along that he's just not, you know, there mentally. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think maybe just to change the scenery is what he needed to, you know, just to maybe that could help with the headspace stuff. Uh, I hope so. I mean, Ridley was was a good dude. I enjoyed watching him, you know, um, hoping for the best for him. So we'll, we'll. There's still that little level, that small level of pettiness, though, sending him. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's, it's okay to be a little upset with Ridley. I think, you know, I mean, I don't think yeah. we're trying to like drag him, drag him through the coals or anything, but you know, it's okay to be a little upset. Right. It's okay to be a little upset. Right. Um, we were expecting that first round pick this year, so you know, <laughs> the Eagles were about to line up to give it to us, apparently. So, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tragic. Yeah. yeah. So I, I never seen about that man for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I was def- we definitely still uh, feel feel a certain type of way about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, all right. We had a couple of wide receiver questions that we'll tackle all at once here. We had Nico in the chat and Kevin Dog on the Patreon asking uh, about our top wide receivers. Um, Nico says many of us in the Falcoholic Discord uh, would like a speedy wide receiver that can really separate downfield in the draft. Is that something that we agree on? Um, I do think that they're more likely to... They've got their big receiver in Drake London, their possession guy, their guy that can sort of, he's sort of their do-it-all wide receiver one. Um, and they have Kyle Pitts, who's a really good deep threat at tight end, really dynamic weapon there. And I think he will be much more heavily utilized with a quarterback like Desmond Ritter, who was actually willing to throw him the ball uh, in tight windows. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the that. But Yeah. Tight ends. Yeah. Um, so I do think that they're going to go after a, Z style receiver for with this if they do go after a receiver high in the draft I mean not necessarily a tiny guy I know Rasheed Rice is someone I've mocked to them before I think he's a really good wide receiver two type of guy they they need a dynamic guy they need someone that offers maybe some deep speed like a Demir Bird but they need I think 
what they what they need that Demir Bird doesn't offer is they need this guy to be able to catch screens, to do reverses, to run crossers, and separate after the catch, and be able to do that type of stuff. And Rasheed Rice just so happens is really good at that too. But I think they could also go for some other guys, and I don't know if you have any receivers you like that are sort of in that mold, or if you're looking for something else entirely for the Falcons, Eric. You know, I I honestly feel like they add a little bit uh, a, a couple of skill sets to the wide receiver core this offseason. I, I think I kind of foresee them going and getting a guy in free agency, and I think they may draft another guy as well to add to the equation. Um, you know, you Drake is Drake um, had a for you know for circumstances that he had to play with this year at the quarterback position. You know, he played very well. Um, you know, minus the couple couple of fumbles he had against the Saints and the Ravens. Um, but I, I think he he proved that he can be a go-to guy. He can be the 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 top guy, um, the primary receiver there. I think he could use a complimentary piece. Mm-hmm. And by and with in this particular offense, I I believe that complimentary piece can be someone that's similar to his skill set as well. Yeah, I think it could um, be. Mm-hmm. I think they go and I think they go after a veteran in that aspect. That there's a few guys that are on the market this offseason that can fit that mold um of you know that big possession receiver that can you know still be able to win one-on-one situations because if you take away Drake, there's there's nothing else. I mean Zacchaeus is Zacchaeus, but he, Zacchaeus is not a number two. No, he's and I'm he's not three, even part- I, think. I I don't know. I think I respect him more saying, than you do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're more of like he's a wide receiver for. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. I, he is he someone that the staff loves. Absolutely. They love this kid. Um, is he someone that I feel is going to be on the roster in 2023 and beyond? Probably so. Yes. But at what capacity is the question? Um, so I, I think, you know, a guy like Juju Smith Schuster or Alan Lazard could be targets in free agency guys that can kind of sort of they can they can offset drake you know you can still allow pits to be that unique deep threat at tight end but you still have two quality possession receivers in drake in you know one of those two that can win your one-on-ones and i think in the draft they may go after a speedy receiver is more is is more pick of the litter in the draft in my opinion guy like zay flowers comes to mind Really love his skill set. Um, able to make, you know, able able to take a wide receiver screen 80 yards for a score. Um, Marvin Mims from mm-hmm. Oklahoma is another guy that I really you Wandale Robinson was my draft crush last year. I think Marvin Mims might be my draft crush this year. This this dude is dynamic um in one-on-one situations, especially down the field. His ball, his ball tracking skills are phenomenal for a guy that's five eleven. Um and he goes up and gets it. Um so I, I would look at those two type of guys um this offseason. Uh, I, I think they I think they add a little bit to the wide receiver room this offseason. Yeah, yeah. I think that's more the the archetype they're gonna go for. I like like in, in free agency like Jacoby Myers is a guy I like a lot, assuming yeah, he's not Jacoby too expensive. Myers. Yeah. Yep. Um I think he would make a lot of sense. Um it seemed like they wanted 
to go like the route you're suggesting based on their trade for Brian Edwards. That just didn't work out like at all. Yeah. I don't really know mm-hmm. exactly what went wrong there, but um, yeah. it seemed like that's what they wanted. They wanted that other big, because re- I don't think you trade for Brian Edwards to make him just Drake London's backup. Um, right. I think that they were hoping he'd be their wide receiver too. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. But it, I think clearly you're right that they could still go that route. And I think a Jacoby Myers offers a really good level of play as a wide receiver too. In the draft, I think there's a, there are a lot of those speedy shifty guys. Like you mentioned, like, you know, you mentioned Zay flowers. Um, I know a lot of people are high on, on Jalen Hyatt. Um, I do have some concerns about Jalen Hyatt because I, in terms of, I, the offense at Tennessee, like, I, I think it's going to, it's going to be a transition for him to the NFL. Um, you know, the, the, the Tennessee offense, I mean, the spread nature of that offense was just like a wide receiver's dream. And he, I don't know, he's not the best route runner. Um, and like, I think it's just going to take him some time. Obviously the downfield athleticism and his overall athletic ability is off the charts. So like, he's got that in the back pocket. I think he's got solid size too. So it's like, he wasn't, he wasn't asked to run much in Tennessee. No, that that's my concern is that it's going to take a while. Um, yeah. So, and that's the same thing people could say about Rasheed Rice. The difference is, I think Rasheed Rice didn't run that many routes, but the routes he did run, I think he ran really well. Like, I think this is a sharp route runner that just wasn't asked to do many routes, but I, I think he will be a better route runner very quickly. Whereas I think it'll take some time for Jalen Hyatt, but still, I think worthy of a day two pick for sure. But, you know, Josh Downs, I, I do have a Josh Downs above Jalen Hyatt slightly. Um, if you're looking for a similar skill set, I think Downs is more polished. You mentioned Zay Flowers, who I think is definitely more polished than than uh, Jalen Hyatt as well. And then if you go a little bit later, you've got guys like you mentioned Marvin Mims. I like Jaden Reed from Michigan State too. Um, Anaya Smith out of Texas A&M. Yep. Yeah. Did he officially declare? I think it was like there was some question over whether he'd officially declared or not. But um, you know, and. It was it was like he declared, but he had uh, like been given eligibility to pull out or something. It was weird, but yeah, I think for now we should assume that he is still in the class. But um, um, Trey Palmer out of Nebraska is another name as well that I like. Yep. Yep. Um, um, you know, if they're looking for those bigger guys, you know, uh, Xavier Hutchinson. I think a lot of people like him on day two. Yeah. Uh, Puka Na- yeah. Puka Nakua uh, from uh, or Puka Nakua or from whatever BYU. it is. Yeah, from BYU, cool. I yeah. think I, he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. He's going to be in my Senior Bowl wide receiver write-up. Definitely a guy that certainly looks the, the part of a Falcons uh, outside wide receiver, that's for sure. Hell of a blocker, too. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot of options, as always, in the draft. They could also go for, like what I did in the mock draft last week, which is they could go for, like, a Devon a chain, um, right? And and have him play more of that gadgety role utilize him in the slot like they were using Avery Williams, get him involved on screens and with reverses and stuff with his, you know, elite speed. Like it doesn't necessarily have to just be wide receivers. They we know Arthur Smith is willing to bring in other skill positions and use them creatively. And I think a, like a a speedster running back like an a, a Shane uh could be could be an option. Tools as well. Guy. Yeah. A tools guy. He he does a little bit of everything. Um and I'm looking at the senior bowl roster right now. Um, <clears throat> um, you mentioned Hutchinson, who I think is is underrated. Yeah, um, I think he's good. Because of the fact that he went to, uh, you know, he, he was at Iowa State, 
Um, not a lot of eyes on the Iowa State football program. Um, one guy that's at Senior Bowl that I'm keeping my eye on, Darius Davis out of TCU. Um, one of those, you know, you saw a little bit of him in the national championship game. The the few good plays that TCU had on offense, you know, he made one of them uh, early in the first quarter. He's one of those guys that is just he's able to get open um, at any it, it, at, in any capacity. Um, and he's you, you put the ball in his hands and you give him an opportunity to put to to get yak and he's going to eat up grass. Um, so that's another guy I will keep my eye on going forward. So I, 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 to answer the question, yes, I, I don't think they just, they're in search of just a, a, a deep threat this offseason. I think they're in search of a deep threat along with a complimentary piece for Drake. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Um, there's a lot of options, so I, it doesn't necessarily even have to be early in the draft, but um, definitely right. stuff there. Um all right, from Kevin Dog on the Patreon. Uh, what's your favorite college football team? His is Notre Dame. Uh, I'm UCF, of course, uh, for those that don't know. And Eric, you're Miami, right? We have to answer that right now. This is not <laughs> Falcons related. It's not just Falcons Q&A. You know, they, they pay us the big bucks so they can ask the, the hard-hitting right. questions. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the Miami Hurricanes, yes. We had a terrible freaking season this past year. I <laughs> I can't explain it. I don't even want to try to explain it. I'm already on the 2023. I was I was on the 2023 halfway in the season. After they lost to Middle Tennessee State, I was like, oh, geez. M- they lost to MTC. Oh, jeez. I didn't even know that. So my bad. I, if I had known that, I wouldn't have brought it up. But <laughs> yeah. so I, It's rough. Yeah, they got the new. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know why. Why do we even, <laughs> you know, we don't have to talk about that anymore. It's okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Kevin also asks, uh, why do you guys think we haven't hired a defensive coordinator yet? Um, I think it's pretty simple. I think that, uh, I think that they have probably their preferred guys in like a Flores, Fangio, whatever. And those guys aren't going to say yes until they're officially out of the running for, NFL like head coach openings and also they're probably not going to have the Falcons as their top choice either so I think the Falcons are sort of waiting a little bit to see if there's a chance those guys will shake free and then if they don't they have their sort of top options otherwise and you know they just did their interview with Ryan Nielsen who I think is is a, a probably the top contender of the other names you know people have mentioned Jerry Gray as a possibility that's not really one I'm very excited about we'll see um, but I think that's why I think they're sort of waiting to see who shakes free, um, from the other coaches. I'm a little, empty, man. I know I'm you are. Empty. Yes. I've seen it. <laughs> I'm ready. Like, let's make the hire now. Cause I want to, I want to study tape. I want to look at film. Yeah. I want to want to look at philosophies. Like let's make the hire now, but we, they can't because the guys that they do have their eyes on are either head coaching candidates or they're tied to head coaching candidates as potential DCs if those guys get hired. So, yeah. you know, nothing is really going to happen. Nothing is really going to shake unless a head coaching hire is made, which it also seems like these teams are dragging their feet on. Like, will someone just hire somebody, please? So this, <laughs> yeah, there's I'm, I'm nothing's happened. Once, yeah. once, once, once one head coach is hired, I guarantee you the dominoes will fall. 
you'll see one. Okay, this team hired this guy. This team hired this in a matter of days. Like you will see, you will see teams hiring head coaches. They're just they're all just kind of sort of like in the in a room, just standoff with their guns. Like yeah. just who's going to make them <laughs> yeah. first? Like it's, it's, just like the office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what it's like. Um, I will say this, like you mentioned, like I think Fangio and, and Flores are at the top of the list. They're tier one. They're guys that they have their eyes on. But you, you and I discussed, you know, Fangio is somewhat tied to the hip of Peyton, Sean Peyton. And I think where that, where Peyton lands is going to dictate what happens to Fangio. Now, hypothetically, if Sean Peyton gets hired by Denver, we highly doubt Fangio is going to go back to Denver. He's going to go back to a team that just fired him. So it may make an availability there for Fangio. If Peyton goes to Arizona, all right, Fangio might be in play as DC in Arizona. It's possible. If he goes to Carolina, same thing. I also believe, and I'm pretty sure you probably see this as well, I I think they're kind of sort of just keeping their eyes peeled on uh, Evero out of Denver. Yeah. I think they're waiting to see what's there. They should. Yeah. I mean, I should. Because I, I think for the team that's patient, I think one of these guys, Flores, Fangio, or or Avero or Evero, whatever it is, um, I think one of those guys is going to be left standing when the dust think, clears for whoever's patient. So, yeah. yeah. But so. you have to be patient. Like, this is literally exactly what happened with the Gary Kubiak thing. The Broncos yeah. denied it, and the Falcons panicked and hired Dirk Cutter. They could have just oh. waited to see if if Kubiak came free because Dirk Dirk Cutter wasn't getting hired by somebody else. I mean, let's be no, honest here. No, no um, one was beating down the door. No. For Dirk so like, if you wanted Dirk Cutter as your backup plan, like he's still gonna be your backup plan. Like, but we all know the the crimes of the previous regime. But if they had just waited patiently, which NFL teams are are sort of reluctant to do, obviously, I think they they could potentially get whoever's left standing when the dust clears. And I, I I don't think we're going to really know for sure until after the Super Bowl. I, th- I think it could be that long um, or like right. close and- to the Super Bowl because we could hear that, you know, D'Amico Ryans is the head coach of so-and-so di- like right. right before the Super Bowl or whatever. But there's, there's so many names that are still in play. You know, D'Amico Ryans is, is a hot name down in Houston. Uh, so is Jonathan Gannon, DC for for Philly. He's a hot name. He those two are are, are prime candidates um, down in Houston for the Texans job. Um, you know, you're you're starting to hear a lot about. Well, you know, the enemy, of course, he got interviews as well. But um, the uh, the DC for the Bengals, Lou. How do you pronounce this last I name? I think it's I Lou Anarumo. Anarumo. He's he's starting to get some, some, you know, momentum here. And, and, and I, I think honestly, <laughs> for those that are keeping a truly close eye on this whole situation, if he goes into Kansas city and bottles up that offense again, I honestly feel Kevin, he may become a head coach or candidate like that. He should already be. I mean, I don't know what he it is about him. Be. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for, for him to go on the road and to do and to shut down Josh Allen and Mahomes in back-to-back weeks, I honestly feel like teams teams may just say, "Hey, teams may have a prime candidate and they may see that and they say, "Wait a minute. Let's bring that guy in for an interview." Yeah. So no. it, again, yeah. it's 
I'm I'm kind of sort of like I want I want a head coaching hire to happen, but I know that if that happens this weekend, we're probably gonna get a little bit more frustrated because it's probably gonna delay the head coaching hires just a little bit longer. Yeah. Um I think so. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, look, if, if if Carolina doesn't hire Steve Wilkes, then that's a guy I'd be really happy to get in here as defensive coordinator, too. And that's absolutely. somebody that no one's talked about. But if he absolutely. if he's not retained absolutely. by Carolina, he should absolutely, absolutely. get a call uh, here in Atlanta. Absolutely. So, and I know, um, I know Flores got, head co- got a head coach, had a head coaching interview for Cardinals, Arizona. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm starting to hear Frank Reich rumbles out of Arizona which may not, you know, it, it may free him up. It may free Flores up. Um, so it's a lot of uh, dominoes have to fall first. I really yeah. want that. I, I was hoping that they would make a hire by now. <laughs> I mean, unless they want Nielsen. Right. You know, if Nielsen is the guy, they can go ahead and hire Nielsen tomorrow, probably, if they want to. Yeah. But no, I, 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 I think if they wanted Nielsen, we would, they've already, they already would have hired him or it would be, they it's going to come out really soon. So I, I do think but, they want him. And I think they're serious to some extent about everyone they're interviewing, but um, right. I, I don't think Nielsen, it just like, I, I don't want to make him the same as Dirk Cutter. It's not the same, but I think he's sort of no. a, a cooler, no. like a name that's a little bit further down the list that, probably isn't a top contender for other jobs that you could afford to wait and see if you're, right, if you're right. really high end names don't come available. I, w- so. I would say tier tier one would be Fangio and Flores. I think tier two would be Evero. Um, I think tier three would probably, probably be Nielsen and gray. Mm-hmm. And I think if there's a tier four, I think you would throw a name like Steve Wilkes in there, maybe. And then you'll probably put Al Holcomb in there as well. Um, but it, so I, I think there's there's just more interest with those guys at the top. Yeah. But we're just going to see how things shake out. So, no, I'd even put Wilkes in like tier two with with Averro if they don't if, if he shakes free, because really? I, I think Wilkes is a really good defensive coach, but. We won't. We won't probably won't know whether he's going to break free for a while. Like it's probably not until Carolina makes their decision. So it it just I mean, it's I, a riskier proposition. What, yeah, I get what Carolina is doing, but the man's already in the building. I don't know why they didn't just hire him. He's like I don't know what else you could be asking for. Like 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 the the team the players have said like yo he's we love him. You you saw how they 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 responded to him. Yeah, he's already in the building. I mean, I know you get big eyed for Sean Payton, but you either pay two first rounders and you get Sean Payton or you bring back a guy that's that the team already loves and you don't necessarily have to interview like he's there. But yeah, no, you're not. Right. Who are we? You know, we're just we're (laughs) just guys. We're just guys. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let me get to uh, Ryan's question from the discord. Um Ryan asks, how do the pass the top pass rushing prospects stack up to the ones the Falcons have taken in the past? It seems like the Falcons can never hit on a pass rusher at the top. And if the best player on the board at eight is a pass rusher, I'm I'm concerned and would maybe like to see them look elsewhere or trade back and then bring in the pass rushers through free agency. Well, the problem with that, Ryan, is that they've also sucked at bringing in pass rushers in free agency. The last two big ones, of course, right. being uh you know, Dante Fowler Jr. and Ray Edwards were the last two, like, premier pass rushes they signed. Now, this regime is not tied to that. 
So let's be clear. Yeah. They haven't drafted. This regime has not drafted defensive lineman in the first round. So we don't know. My personal opinion is take the best player at eight. Um, and yes, maybe that player is Bijan Robinson. I think a lot of things would have to happen for that to be my pick at eight, but I would rather take Bijan than take like the third offensive tackle or the third corner or the third or fourth edge rusher or whatever. But there is, and, and maybe that's very unlikely to happen. Um, but you know, I, I don't want to rule it out because we've seen this team do that. Like they did it with Kyle Pitts and they did it with Drake London. So I do think it's most likely to be a defensive lineman of some kind. Um, I do think the top of this defensive line class has some good players. Um, Will Anderson is not going to be in play at eight. Neither will Jalen Carter. Maybe Jalen Carter. There's like a slight chance, like a 10% chance that teams really overthink Jalen Carter and don't take him because he's a defensive tackle and those guys tend to fall. So there's like a tiny chance that Jalen Carter maybe falls to eight. But other than that, you're looking at like Tyree Wilson, Miles Murphy, and Brian Brzee as probably the top guys. And um, two of those three, I think, are projects. Like Tyree Wilson and Brian Brzee are projects. So those those type of players... And Tyree Wilson has the production. Brian Brzee doesn't. So like Tyree Wilson, I'm a little bit more comfortable with. But like to me, it would be Miles Murphy out of that group. I, I don't think Miles Murphy has the ceiling of like a Will Anderson or anything like that. But I, I think what this team needs is just really good defensive linemen. And that's what Miles Murphy is. Like this is a... Edge two, ready to go, eight to ten plus sack guy a year, and a really good run defender, and he's just ready to plug into your defensive line. And like honestly, maybe they should just go for the double and not swing for the home run, because because they just need it so bad. Like, you know what? When it, I I thought about this earlier today, man, and I felt like there's there's plenty of promise that we saw in Ebiketti and D'Angelo Malone, and I just feel. Like, man, having that veteran edge rusher to kind of sort of round that that core out is what mm. they need. Because there's that a lot nice. of youth. Yeah. There's a lot of youth. And I and I, I can't help but land on a guy like Ingot, Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. I think I can think a guy like him would be perfect to – because I, as much as I like Ebiketti, I don't know if Ebiketti is – is edge one material. No, I, don't I think, think Malone so. is, I think Malone is more so complimentary. I think Malone is more of your speed rush, your third down. You need a NASCAR package in there. Malone is definitely a guy I will want on the field. But I just feel like with that youth, they need that veteran edge rusher, that guy that a guy that's had, you know, a couple of seasons where he's got nine or ten sacks to yeah. lead the charge. No, um, and I, I think and that's why I would yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Sorry to cut you off. Um, no. Yeah. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, I do. It's just like the, the edge class as a whole is weak. So I wonder if that's going to really lift yeah. some of these guys up into like unreasonable contract status. Like Yannick Ngakwe, probably a 10 to 12 million a year type of guy. But in this market, as the top edge rusher, could be looking at like 15 plus. And I think that's just too much for Ngakwe. I, I don't think it's worth committing that much money. So maybe that means they go for Samson Ebukam or something like that. I like him a lot. I like his fit. But again, it's like, I don't think there's really like a edge one in free agency here. Those got, you know, a 20 million plus type of year guy. I think that's what they really need. But if you can't get that, you should get a bunch of edge twos that you can rotate. And I think Miles Murphy is an example of that. Yannick Ngakwe, Samson Ebukam. I think those are two guys that are like that too. So there's a lot of ways they could go about doing it. Um, it just depends on who's on the board at eight. 
Um, but we also had a question about, you know, offensive tackle, uh, being an option at eight. And I, I do think that that's a pretty legitimate possibility. And it, some of it depends on Caleb McGarry, but some of it doesn't. I mean, I, I think, I think they, they probably offer Caleb McGarry either the franchise tag or they sign him to a two to three year deal. Um, Mm -hmm. and if they do the franchise tag, I think you do draft a tackle and you really strongly consider doing that at eight, because if McGarry takes another step and looks like an elite NFL offensive tackle, then you're paying him a mega deal next year. And this offensive tackle, you take at eight, this guy should be someone that you can plug in at guard for a year. So you, you fill one of your offensive line holes with that. Um, and even if you're you're tagging, even if you're tagging McGarry, you're still considering taking a guy at eight. Yeah, but you you're not taking a guard at eight. You're taking someone that you believe can be an offensive tackle for you eventually. Um, but I think I mean Paris John, Paris Johnson Jr., uh, Broderick Jones. I think those are two guys who can both play guard and yeah. who can be high end tackles. So, and and if if McGarry really hits his stride, continues to grow as a pass protector, then you keep McGarry, you resign or whatever, and then maybe this guy becomes the Jake Matthews heir apparent at left tackle instead. Um, and I think that's a really smart long-term play um, right. there at eight. And and they could very likely have their pick of the offensive tackles at eight. You know, I, I'm still deciding whether that's going to be Paris Johnson Jr. or Broderick Jones for me. Number one, I think both guys fit the Falcons extremely well. Both guys are definitely top 10 worthy offensive tackles. So, with this class the way it is, I, I do think people should start preparing for offensive tackle to be the pick at eight. I think that, of I think that's one of the most likely picks there. I think like defensive lines definitely the most likely. Offensive tackle might even be number two, um, and then cornerback is probably three. I would say corners the most likely. You think corner is the most? I mean, they, the the corner one could easily be there also. That that's an, an option. Because of how I think the first round, the top 10 is going to shake out, I think they're going to be left with, you know, a guy like Christian Gonzalez or Joey Porter Jr. being there. Um, I'm I'm not certain outside of me. What about Devon? Man, he's getting a lot of love right now, and I'm like, I, I love me. He's got the best tape. Let's let's be honest. Like his tape is exceptional, but he's only six from, foot, like one eighty from so, his last year. Yeah. From his last year, right? So yeah. okay, well, all right. I mean, he's got the best tape. I I just yeah. I'm I'm scared. I'm scared. I I don't think he'll be the first cornerback drafted. I think tape wise, he a, has the best. I'm tape, seeing but. a lot of. I'm seeing a lot of love as if he is. Well, and and, and I'm getting. I, I just I don't know. I'm I'm getting not necessarily the player, okay, not necessarily the skill set, just the oh he's a first round guy. I'm getting the the Damon Arnett thing right now when it comes to Devon Witherspoon. Like he had a great last year, his final year in college had a great last year, but then all of a sudden he's getting his first round talk, and you're like, wait a minute, where did this come from? I'm getting that with Witherspoon. He doesn't have the longevity. Yeah. yeah, final season. Neither does Illinois Gonzalez, though. Yeah, was outstanding. Neither does Gonzalez. Yeah. But that they at least, but you know, NFL they love big corners <laughs> yeah. with ball that, skills. That's yeah, 
No, you're right. Like and Gonzalez is going to be the first corner taken because of his size. He's probably if, De- going if Devon to be Witherspoon was six two, if, if Devon was six two, then he'd be the first quarterback taken. But <laughs> he'd be a top twelve. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I do think that Christian Gonzalez is going to be the first quarterback drafted. But I do think Witherspoon could be the second because um, I think Porter yeah. Jr. is kind of scheme specific. So, um, and right now, like we since we don't know what the Falcons are going to be playing, like I I don't feel comfortable mocking Porter to the Falcons. Like I just don't. I also don't really know if he's a top 10 pick. I mean, he, he's a really good corner, but like he's scheme specific. Um, so I, I don't really know if the Falcons will be interested, but I do think Christian Gonzalez, you know, very likely if he falls to eight. I will um, prefer, I will prefer Gonzalez because of his, his ability to make plays on the ball. Yeah. Um, his upside is just bananas. Yeah, it, it is. Is there. Um, and I really, I really like his upside a lot. Um, I really like what he brings to the table. He's he's scheme versatile. You said a guy yeah. like Port is more of a scheme fit. Gonzalez is scheme versatile. He can do a little bit of everything. Um, the one question mark I would have, um, physicality yeah. in the run game his ability to come up in the run game and, 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 and be, you know, stick his nose in it. I, I don't, I didn't see that often. Um, and I'm not quite sure he's able to do that. I'm not sure if he's able to actually want to do that. So yeah. um, if they want a ball Hawk at corner, he might be the best one in the class. If we're yeah. being honest. He, him and him and Emmanuel Forbes can fight it out. Um, yes. But Forbes has I'd the like, like, you know, yeah, Forbes has the the same problem as Devon Witherspoon that he's like six foot one eighty five. So, um, yeah, I like I like Forbes a lot. I like yeah. Forbes a lot. And I think Wither, I Witherspoon. Think, is, yeah, go ahead. Witherspoon is feisty, man. You know, yeah. Witherspoon reminds me. He reminds me of Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Yeah, he, he's Just, a chain snatcher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, he's that type of corner. Yeah, he. I'm, I'm not saying he's and and you know what? To be honest with you, maybe you can see a little free safety in his. You know, at some point in his career. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of sort of like remember when Kareem Jackson, uh, Kareem yeah. Jackson started off that corner when he was in Houston, but he made his transition back to safety ladder in the latter part of his career. Maybe the same thing for Devon Witherspoon, but in, in terms of just attitude and feistiness, Devon yeah. Witherspoon brings that. He's so and fun. he reminds He's me hilarious. of Thompson Johnson that, yeah. Yeah. He's going, he'll be that one, he'll be that one corner that's just all in a receiver's face. Like, oh, yeah. After every play. All chirp team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I mean, I love that. I love that attitude and that that probably like gives I get I give him some extra points because I love that competitive toughness. I love his just Yeah. He's gonna be a thorn in your side mentally and physically. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um But yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of good corners. So that could I think that's also and the same thing at Edge, right? That like the corner and edge classes are both really deep, so maybe you know, you, you could wait on one of those two, but like, also if you don't take one of those two in the first, then it's like, you know, it thins out a lot by the time the third round comes around. So I, I almost, I'm almost at a point, Kevin, where I expect the corner to be taken in the first two rounds. I, I think it's likely in the first I, two. Yeah. I, I'm, but I'm not going to say the same thing about edge. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, the, of course that's going to depend on what happens in free agency, but I yeah. think in the I draft, sort of, I think they, yeah. they can, they get a corner in the first two rounds. I mean, you is Casey Harris going to be back in 2023, but Casey Harris is 34. Yeah, I, I don't know if he'll be back or not because they save a lot of money by cutting him. And like you said, 34 and coming off a season-ending injury. Um, 
I, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it because they, they don't necessarily need the money. I mean, like, we'll, we'll see if they try to really max out their spending. But um, I'd rather just bring him back for the mentorship. That bring is him part back of it. Yeah. And then get a, get a Gonzalez or a Witherspoon and let those guys pick his brain. Like, yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather do that. And he can play slot. He can play the slot too. That's the other thing about Hayward that's nice is that he can right. he can play inside outside and really give you that veteran presence there. And you can sort of make it work with the other guys. But yeah, thirty four coming off a season ending injury and five million in savings. It 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 lines up to be a real question. But I it wouldn't shock me if he comes back either. Like I, I do think that it's a possibility. And for what you mentioned, like they it's a really young corner room if they get rid of uh, of Casey Hayward. So. Maybe that veteran presence yeah. is worth paying a little bit for. Um, but yeah. they could also yeah. just go sign somebody else entirely. So <laughs> I guess we'll see. <laughs> but we don't know. You know, we're just two guys. You know, we, we just do the best we can. So, um, yeah. I think we covered most of the ground. It is we are over the hour mark now. Um, I really appreciate everyone for the questions. A lot of good questions tonight. I appreciate Eric for stepping in. Guys, he is at underscore Eric underscore Robinson on the Twitter. Eric, anything that you're working on you'd like to let the people know about? Nothing. On, on, it's, it's, it's draft season, which means it's tape season yeah. as well. That's that's what I'm doing. Are you I'm, just working I'm all the cut-ups? Or? Um, I will be. We haven't mm-hmm. started that yet. Um, Actually, they might have started that. Maybe I need to I need to reach out to the NFL folks. Over there. <laughs> I need to. But um, yeah, but uh, but yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 peeling back. I'm 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 looking at tapes now, man. I'm I'm just I'm looking at guys that may be on a Falcons radar and stuff like that. So and I'm pretty sure you're grinding the tape as well, man. I'm looking at looking at things like that. I I actually watched a little bit of um of Gonzalez the other night, actually. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I've seen I've seen several of his games already. So yeah, yeah. I need to dig into every like right now. I've just sort of done the initial like I'm gonna watch a cut up one game of like all these guys, so I at least have something to work with. And then, um, you know, a lot of good work out there on like the draft network and stuff like that. If you guys are looking to to get a feel for some of these players, they do have a lot of scouting reports done over there at Draft Network on on the day three guys especially, which is the guys I don't really know too much about at this point in the process. So definitely check them out too. Shout out to them. Um. But, uh, yeah, uh, appreciate everyone hanging out with us tonight. Uh, appreciate all the patrons for your support. Uh, for those of you listening to the recorded version, uh, definitely consider joining the pa- the Patreon. Uh, you get ad-free, high-quality access to podcast downloads early, uh, usually, you know, depending on when the podcast comes out. But um, it's usually at least uh, overnight early. Um, and also helps us out and you earn our eternal gratitude, which that's, that's priceless if you ask me, uh, but we do appreciate you guys, uh, like, and subscribe for watching on YouTube, uh, leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform. You know, maybe we have to go to a new podcast feed entirely. So your review maybe doesn't matter, but it makes me feel better, you know, and, and, you know, just keep that review in the back pocket in case we need you to do it at a different spot. Uh, keep that in mind. So, um, but guys, otherwise I'm at Falcon. Kevin, Eric is at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Dave sends his apologies. He'll be on the show (laughs) real soon. Um, we hope, you know, I know the moose caravan is, is currently, uh, digging through to get to him. So hopefully we'll, we'll get a, a, a messenger pigeon from Dave here soon, but, um, thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you, patrons, once again. We will see you guys next time, uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. 
Eastern for the next episode of Falcoholic Live. Until then, guys, have a great night. Thanks again for joining us.